Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of Misaligned. As always, we want to remind you that Misaligned is part of the Modern Vinyl family of podcasts. You can find all of the shows over at modern-vinyl.com. There's a little podcast tab there and in the drop down you'll see us, Modern Vinyl Podcast, The Vinyl Crawl, Pilot Study. Definitely check those all out. And we have a quick bit of news today. Megan, do you want to go ahead and tell us what you did this weekend? Oh, yes. I went to barbecue and didn't die. So for those of you who might not be familiar with what barbecue is, it is a yearly day-long festival that the members of Guar put together with all sorts of bands. This year, some of the highlights included a Guar show, obviously. I'm still pink from it uh, due to all the blood that was spattered across the crowd. If you know Guar, this won't sound weird or creepy, I promise. It <laughs> wasn't actually blood, though, for those who don't know Guar. Um, but highlights included Lagwagon, who I did interview for Modern Vinyl. Joey Cape is awesome. Can't wait to get that on the site. And August Burns Red played this year. Lamb of God was the headliner, which is surprising because you would think, you know, Guar would headline the Guarbecue. Other bands, like the Dillinger Escape Plan played, they actually played without a vocalist for a long time because um, their vocalist plane got canceled in California and they said, screw it, we're going to play anyway. <laughs> and then some random dude from the crowd got in on stage and did vocals for them. So that was cool. I Hate God also played. Uh, let's see who else. Oh, right. Against Me. Against Me played and Laura Jane Grace is a beautiful, beautiful human being. Their set was amazing end of story nice sounds like a fun day there and um we also wanted to briefly mention that lou perlman who was basically the man who kind of discovered the backstreet boys and nsync and a few other bands or really the one who got them together to form these boy bands from the 90s that we previously talked about in our full-on 90s episode he was only 62 and well, he died in prison, so there is that, because he was running Ponzi schemes and bank schemes, so clearly had a huge falling out with probably the music industry in general, but we've also come across him in The Song Machine, which we are still reading as our book club pick. We will have a little more detail on that for you guys later, though. So it just kind of really tied in with a couple of the things we were doing. But our main discussion for today is going to be Frank Ocean's Endless and our general thoughts on streaming exclusives, which Endless was a streaming exclusive, but it also was streamed live. So it's like people who didn't have Apple Music could also watch it, which Megan, I know that's basically what you did. That is what I did, and it was wonderful. Yeah, so I finally had the chance to sit down today, which is Sunday, and give it a listen. And on my first listen, I was sort of just browsing around on the internet doing other things, so it didn't really catch my attention on first listen, which I was a little bummed about because I really, really liked Channel Orange when that came out, and I was constantly listening to it. But I think with this, it just didn't really grab my attention in the same way that Channel Orange did. 
But I started my second listen through. I didn't get all the way through it. I'm about, I want to say, 28 minutes or so through my second listen. And I feel like it's definitely an album that is going to grow on me more as I listen to it more and more. Because this year, I've actually been pretty bad at listening to albums more than just a couple times or a few times if I'm reviewing it or whatnot, because there's just been so much coming out this year already that it's so hard to just keep wanting to listen to one thing when there's all these new things I could be listening to. I mean, I've been kind of the same way too, but I've been trying my hardest to kind of keep up with new stuff. So I don't know, 2016 has just been a weird, weird year in terms of music releases. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, I think it's also been a really good year for a lot of releases. I mean, there's some stuff that people will mention to me and I'm like, wait, that was 2016 when that came out? Because, you know, it came out in January or February, those releases Mm -hmm. that you sort of forget about. But before we stray too far from Frank Ocean right now, I did have a couple issues with more so how this was released Because the only way you can listen to it right now is in a 45-minute chunk on Apple Music, and you have to have the video playing. You can't not have the video playing. There's no track list in Apple Music. All it says is endless with the 45-minute and change runtime. So to me, it's like, okay, you release this as a visual album, but then you won't even let us see necessarily a track list or, you know, have markers in there so you can jump to different songs with the video playing. And I noticed at the end with the credits and everything, they did have the songs listed, but I don't really want to sit there and listen to the whole thing and then pause the video just to see what the song titles were for everything I just listened to. That's true. It can be kind of annoying. Like, My thing with the live stream, actually, before I even go to my thoughts on the live stream, let me compose myself here. I'm watching the closing ceremonies of the Olympics, so I'm slightly distracted, which I probably shouldn't be, but there was some really good dancing on just now. Uh, This has been your ADHD thought for the podcast, you know, I'm sorry. Um, But when I said that 2016 has been a weird year for music, I mean that. But it also blessed us with uh, two Frank Ocean albums, essentially. And when the live stream happened, this was Thursday night, I believe. Right. I only found out because Twitter started freaking out a little. They're like, Frank Ocean's live streaming again. What's going on? Like, what, what is he doing? And so I tuned into it and I heard music and I said, oh, my God, this is Boys Don't Cry. This is his new album. We are finally getting new music from Frank. So I was really, really excited. I was also really, really confused as to why he was building a giant spiral staircase. Needless to say, I don't think that was ever explained, but it was really nice. I mean, I have a thing for spiral staircases. I used to live in a house with one. (laughs) But, you know, side note aside, it was interesting. I really enjoyed what I was listening to on the first listen. And I haven't really been able to give it another thorough listen because from Friday through today, I've just been all over the place. I mean, between barbecue, hanging out with friends, doing family stuff. It's kind of hard to squeeze in listening to Frank Ocean in there. So I'm glad I caught it live. Alerted my friends. Actually alerted Chris, the lovely overlord of Modern Vinyl, to <laughs> the live stream. And yeah, it like people were surprised. 
Right. I had friends like texting me and whatnot, trying to get me to listen to it once it was already up on Apple Music, basically. And I had tried literally three or four times and it just wouldn't load because so many people were trying to watch it all at the same time. So I just gave up and that is why I didn't even bother listening to it until today because I figured, all right, well, let kind of the chaos pass here for a bit. And while like you, I was a little busy with some other stuff the last two days. So I obviously didn't feel the same way you did on first listen. But like I mentioned, it'll probably definitely grow on me. The thing is, now he's released Blonde and we just got a little over 45 minutes from him. And now this album is 61 minutes. So it's like that's a lot of time to dedicate to one artist in one weekend, basically. I know 101 minutes, 102 minutes of Frank Ocean. We are truly blessed. (laughs) And I know a lot of people probably already listened to Blonde. And I like briefly listened to Nike or Nike's the opening track on it, basically. And I looked down the line of the 16 other tracks after that. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to do this later, you know, because to sit there and listen to 17 tracks, that is something that you really need to do probably all in one sitting, especially on your first listen through. I feel like once you've listened to it, maybe a couple times you can, you know, go back, listen to three, four songs here, go do something, come back to it and whatnot. So I think between these two albums, it's interesting how he decided to release them. One as a visual album that you can't get in regular format because, you know, when Beyonce did Lemonade and how she released that as a visual album, once it hit the streaming services, she had it both ways. You can either watch the visual album Or you could just listen to the album. And I wish that's what Frank would have done with Endless. I mean, I had some issues with the whole visual aspect of it. Because at first, I didn't actually think... Well, I didn't know it was Endless until afterwards. So this was, what, about midnight my time on the East Coast when they fully announced that it was Endless? So that's why I was a little confused. But I couldn't actually stream it on my computer. I turned off my ad blocker and I have Chrome. I mean, I am using Yosemite on my Mac now, so I hope that didn't have anything to do with it. But it was a little weird that I couldn't actually stream it on my computer. And I just was also too lazy to try it in Safari or Firefox because I'm just a diehard Chrome fan. Uh, But anyway, it was able to stream on my phone, though. Right. So it was kind of annoying that it would only stream on my phone Therefore, my phone was rendered useless for the entire streaming process, (laughs) which is why I'm glad I'm on Yosemite because I can still text people with iMessage and do all the web stuff. But I don't know. I I just didn't as much of a visual person as I am. It was just a weird sort of visual. And on top of that, he was drilling in the video. And I thought that that actually kind of hindered my listening experience a little because his drilling didn't quite match up with the music and I wasn't entirely fond of the fact that he was basically doing construction during new music because I was a little 
bitter and disgruntled that I couldn't fully enjoy the new music without hearing whatever the drill bits were doing. Yeah, and I mean, I never watched Beyonce's visual album for Lemonade in full, but with her, it's more like, you know, when she did her self-titled album and then released a music video for each song. I think if he had done something like that, it would have been better because to me, this visual just didn't add anything to the music. Right. But when you watch Beyonce music videos, it's like it adds that little extra something to each of the songs. It really does. And what's interesting is that I thought it was an actual live stream of his new album. Right. Or what we now know as Endless. And so to see the aftermath that that was, in fact, the visual album was odd and clearly not good for my ADHD self because I don't want to sit there and watch him do construction for 45 minutes. Like, I love you, Frank, but I don't love you that much. And the other thing is usually when I think of the words visual album, yeah, Beyonce definitely comes to mind. Lemonade is a great example of a visual album. She takes the songs and actually weaves them into a story of sorts and changes up the themes of each video, which she kind of did with her self-titled as well, but not nearly to the extent of Lemonade where it actually became a televised HBO miniseries of sort Right. that also gets nominated for awesome awards. So there's that. And I think Frank was taking a cue from Beyonce and just saying, hey, you know, I'm going to drop this. But with Frank, we knew something was coming. With Beyonce, we thought it was just a song. We didn't expect a full Lemonade album to come out of this. Whereas Frank's been teasing us with new music for how long now? It's been four years since Channel Orange was released. He's been teasing us for a while. I think all of 2014 and 2015 was, okay, Frank, when you're going to release new music, where's Frank Ocean? I know that there were memes earlier this year in the sense of Finding Dory, where it was Finding Frank Ocean. Yeah, and I think part of my slight disappointment on First Listen was that, you know, we had waited so long for this album and people kept, you know, hyping it up and everything. And then it got here and I was just like, okay, you know, (laughs) like it didn't completely blow me away on first listen. And I feel like that kind of segues into our topic of streaming exclusive since this was an exclusive on Apple Music. And now today on Apple Music, all you have in the browse section are banners for Frank Ocean's Blonde, like every single banner up top is for his album. So they're putting this big push on his album as an exclusive without with Apple Music, but we've seen this with Lemonade, Life of Pablo, Anti by Rihanna, and a bunch of other albums this year. I mean, those three specifically were exclusives for title. And, you know, I think I spent maybe a week if that, with my title free trial. And it just did not impress me at all as a streaming service. And, you know, they were talking up their high fidelity sound and everything. And I just didn't see the point in that, especially for the price that it was each month. And I know 
a lot of people won't even bother paying for streaming services, which I don't mind paying for Apple Music because the app does exactly what I want it to do. And it gives me one app to do everything in, like to have my own collection and then just toss in new albums from Apple Music and have them all in one location. That's fantastic for me. And I think with these exclusives, it's like basically you're trying to pull people in every which direction. And I feel like Spotify is really losing out on this because they can't even get all of these big names to do an exclusive stream with them. And I think it's because Spotify has that free tier. For people like me who don't want to pay for streaming services, who appreciate what Spotify does. But I also feel like that's why Spotify is going to lose because of that free tier. They're going to have people who don't want to pay for music at all. I mean, I know you buy vinyl and everything, so it's a little different for you specifically. But I would say the great majority of Spotify's users who are on the free tier do not pay for music at all. Probably not. I mean, my big thing with streaming services is the price point. Yeah. Okay, I'm cheap. Sorry. But I know that in the future, I probably will end up paying for a streaming service because it's the way to get music. Right. And I don't know. The streaming age kind of sucks, if I'm being entirely honest here. I sound like such a granny. I don't care. I'm old. But with streaming services, it's... I don't know. It's weird. I kind of don't want my dad to find out about Apple Music because then he'll end up paying for it and my mother will end up screaming at him. Then I could listen to Frank Ocean and that would be nice. But at the same time, it's another service that we don't technically need. It's more of a want, which, yeah, that's a thing. But it's, it's a thing that does put the listener at a disadvantage. We are in an age where media fire no longer exists. Torrent websites still exist, but they're not nearly as popular as LimeWire used to be, or even Napster when it was a torrent. It's, I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's not as easy to get leaks of music anymore. Right. It's not even easy to get the actual album or actual songs anymore. But It sucks. It really does for listeners like me who want to listen but can't. And the other thing is I had a free Apple Music trial back when it first came out and I wasn't entirely enthralled with it. Probably could see if I could get another one now that my operating system will support it on my computer. But then I also blew through two title trials. One, when the app first came out, and I really just didn't like that. And the second trial, just to listen to Lemonade. Now, what's interesting is that a lot of exclusives on streaming services that you pay for end up becoming widely available to everyone else eventually. Life of Pablo is now on Spotify. Adele's 25 is on Spotify. Let's see. Auntie is on Spotify. The only album that I really, really love that happens to be on Tidal is Lemonade, and it's still not available on any streaming service, and I don't want to pay an exorbitant amount of money for a digital file of it on iTunes. And this does go into me actually 
still purchasing physical music. I really do. And let's see. Yes, I will always buy a physical form first over a digital file. I just appreciate the physicality of things. I still buy records. I still buy CDs. When I had a tape deck in my car, I bought a tape. But my CD consumption is still really high. My record collection obviously keeps growing. But then the more I think about it, in this digital age, these streaming services do have a slight that's the word I'm looking for. It's not backbone per se. Skeleton. They have a slight skeleton in some of AOL, what used to be known as AOL Music's streaming services, kind of. So back in the mid-2000s, AOL had First Listen. They also had various music sites where you could listen to album streams, I think it was a week before they were officially released. And what was really cool about that was that they had a vast selection of albums, most of which were highly anticipated albums that you could listen to as a stream if you were an AOL subscriber. And I'm pretty sure that in the mid-2000s there weren't as many AOL subscribers like my family was. And, well, my mother still has an AOL email. But AOL.com became accessible to the masses, and it wasn't just an internet browser. It became a thing. And these streams ranged from super popular artists to a lot of indie ones, and I was very excited about that. Let's see, mid-2000s me was very, very, very excited to hear new albums before they premiered, and to be able to eventually listen to them afterwards. Now we have Pandora premieres on another free streaming music site, Pandora, but Pandora premieres is very limited. as to what they premiere and usually it's like one or two albums from obscure artists that people don't really care about this year Seozin's new album was on it and that was cool right now I believe Eric Hutchinson's new album is on and I need to listen to that because I love Eric Hutchinson (laughs) and the interesting thing about Pandora is that it too is a streaming service it too is free but you don't have the ability to pick and choose what you want to listen to right perhaps what I love about Pandora is that when Adele's 25 was an exclusive on, I think it was Apple Music only? That sounds about right. When it was an exclusive there, when Lemonade was an exclusive on Tidal, you could still actually listen to the tracks through Pandora. It wasn't in order, which is okay, but they were still there. And I mean, you couldn't listen to the albums in full, which was also okay, but you know, you get what you get. And Now we also have NPR's First Listen, which takes a select set of CDs and they're released a week before the official release date and you can listen to them and it's great and I love it. And everything I just babbled on about is free, which I like. Yeah, see, I feel like when something is streaming on Pandora or sometimes even NPR, I'm less likely to listen to it because I can't really take those things with me. It's like I have to be sitting at my computer for the most part to stream them because I don't know how well Pandora or NPR kind of go as far as mobile websites. So I tend to not put mobile websites on while I'm in the car. But say, you know, there's an album streaming on Apple Music exclusively, I can still just kind of add that to my collection and take it with me 
and just plug into my car and go. So I think the streaming services still have a slight advantage to the web-based ones because sometimes it's difficult even for you to find the right premiere that you want on Pandora. Last time I, you know, kind of just went to their website without the direct link to a premiere. See, the nice thing is that you don't actually need mobile websites for either of those sites. Pandora Premieres is its own little station in the Pandora app, which I use a lot in my car, and it does actually show up on my car's radio. And NPR Music has its own app as well. And you can listen to a lot of the first listen through the app. See, I wouldn't I have, know that because I feel yeah. like they don't like advertise that. It's not like, hey, listen on the go with our mobile app or whatever. And I wouldn't have the Pandora app anyway. That's true. But I think if you listen to NPR stations, they do kind of advertise it a little. Right. I don't know. It's weird. At the same time, like I have such a hate for paid streaming services, but yet I have a love of streaming services. So I don't know. It's it's a weird thing being in the digital age now. Right. I feel like you can't have it both ways, though, because you can't just have music streaming for free all of the time. Because like I mentioned with Spotify's free tier, then a lot of people will just stop paying for music completely. And that's absolutely not fair to the artists. Like my $10 a month, at least I know it's going somewhere. And not just directly to Apple, like Apple's not taking that whole $10 for themselves. And if you look at prices on iTunes, sometimes you'll be paying anywhere from $11.99 to $14.99 for a single album. So it's kind of like, well, duh, why wouldn't I pay 10 bucks a month for this instead of having to pay even more than that just for a single album? That's true. That's very true. Even if you're buying CDs... Like for me, the only place I can play a CD is in my car and I'm not in my car all day to want to keep buying CDs. So yeah, I'll buy records. But typically what I do is when I buy records, I buy them for the albums I really, really enjoy listening to. And then if it's something I'm not sure I'll enjoy, I won't pre-order a record without being able to hear it necessarily. So like with Mooseblood's recent album, I was like, okay, I know they're kind of going for a different sound this album. So I'm going to listen to it digitally before I spend a chunk of money buying it on vinyl. And I have not bought it on vinyl. Instead, what I did was I bought Bayside's new album on vinyl because I've really, really enjoyed that. That's awesome. And kind of taking a brief little segue into digital stuff because I am still watching the closing ceremonies. Rio has passed the torch or the flag on to Tokyo for the 2020 Olympics and their whole segment right now is super digital and super cool and I really like this and not just because I'm half Japanese. (laughs) I mean they had Mario delivering the Prime Minister of Japan through the Mario tubes to Rio from Japan. Anyway yes digital age. It's like with Jimmy Eat World right now. They announced a new song today and it's streaming now and it's got a different feel and a different sound than what fans are generally used to. So that's kind of going to give them some inkling as to what the new album could possibly sound like Right. to get them to pre-order it. It's the same with Thrice. I know that when they first released one of the songs off of To Be Everywhere Is To Be Nowhere, I believe it's... Yeah, that's the album's name. Yeah. It didn't sound like typical Thrice, and 
people were a little skeptical as to what they were listening to. And then when they released another single, then people were like, oh, this is good. Maybe I should actually pre-order the album. And once the full thing came out, I know I went and listened to it and said, oh, okay, I'm kicking myself for not pre-ordering the vinyl version of this because it would sound beautiful. Right. And I mean, I think overall for my thoughts on streaming exclusives, I think ultimately I don't really care who has what exclusive because I know when The Life of Pablo came out, a lot of people were talking about it, but I just didn't care enough about that specific album to go pay for a title for a month to listen to it. And I still haven't listened to it, honestly. Yeah. And for me, I mean, yes, I use Apple Music, but it's not because of the exclusives they get. I use it because of how the app works for me. I got so annoyed having to have two music apps on my home screen just to get, you know, streaming on one and my collection in the other, especially, I'm sure, as you know, with writing for music websites you'll get advances of albums and it's like okay so i can't have this here because you know spotify will import your collection but then you it's like you don't want your advances imported to spotify or they can't be imported to spotify so it's just like a whole nightmare and i feel like the way apple music has done it works perfectly for me and i've seen people say that they want Apple Music to split out into two music apps. And I'm just like screaming in my head, no, because that's the whole reason I'm using Apple Music, because it is one app. So I don't know necessarily why some people have a problem with everything being in one place. I don't know if it's because then they can't tell what's theirs and tell what's from Apple Music, which I can tell pretty easily because, you know, sometimes you'll get the little iCloud cloud in the bottom corner of an album if it's something you've added to your collection from Apple Music. That's true. So it's like, I feel like the people who have a lot of complaints about Apple Music are more so tech people than they are music people. Because a lot of the music people I know who have been using Apple Music really like it because of the fact that it's like everything all in one place but then you get these non-music people who are kind of like confused by it and whatnot so it'll be interesting to see how much they do with the new changes coming up with the new ios and everything i've been on the beta so i've been slowly seeing some of these changes and while my main critique was the giant font it's kind i'm kind of over it so as long as the app works and i can get to everything i want to get to I'm fine with that. And I think while I don't like not being able to listen to Beyonce's latest album, it's not really the end of the world for me. It's like I have plenty of other Beyonce stuff to listen to. True. And like I said, I still have Pandora to listen to, although I am kind of upset that each time I listen to the Beyonce station, which I have tailored to my interests generally, uh, (laughs) as weird as that sounds. I'm still not getting a lot of tracks from Lemonade to actually play. Right. I've only heard Daddy Daddy Issues, Daddy Lessons. Why can't I remember the name of the song? I love that song. Daddy Lessons. Right. That's yes. like the really like country-ish, folkish yes. one. This is post-music festival brain right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
But Daddy Lessons, I can't get that to play on my station. I've heard it, I think, twice since the album has been out, which is a little weird. I've heard more of Six Inch, which I'm okay with. I really enjoy that song. And I've heard more of her other songs. I mean, Sorry is being played on the radio here, which is very cool. Nothing is more fun than having a Sorry sing-along in your car to the radio, which somehow blurs out uh, middle fingers in the air, which is weird. Right. Some stations do that. Don't know why, but you know, whatever. Okay. But I mean, I don't know. I'm old. I don't like change. But I do look forward to seeing the change that Apple Music will have. I'm not looking forward to the change of Apple Music to hear my dad complain about why he can't play things on his iPhone. But, you know. (laughs) I mean, as far as Apple Music now and what it's going to be, it's more so just a design overhaul. It's not necessarily a functionality overhaul. I think they've just tried to clean up how a lot of things look and how you get to certain things, but not how the music is played and that sort of thing necessarily. That's true. That's true. So before we wrap this up, my question to you is if and when you pay for a streaming service, which do you think you would be most likely leaning towards? Honestly, I would probably get a subscription to both paid Spotify so I wouldn't have to keep shuffle mode on, even though I love the shuffle mode on mobile. That's pretty much how I listen to my music anyway. Right. But sometimes you just want to listen to an album in full. Right. And you don't have the CD for. But besides getting Spotify premium, I will probably invest in Apple Music as well. It would be beneficial since my iPod is an ancient relic of the past and constantly needs to be charged or plugged in to actually be used (laughs) and i can't carry you know an entire record collection with me or my 300 plus cd collection with me in my car yeah i just don't have the capability to do that and i think it would be better to just i don't know be able to access it on my phone right but this is me sounding a little like a curmudgeon about change and a curmudgeon about moving to a digital era i'm i'm a weird millennial in that sort because you don't really hear many people my age being like hey i can't wait to ditch my cd collection and be all digital or actually wait you do hear that i don't say that i'm just too tied to the physicality of things yeah Well, before we get into recommendations here, I just want to remind you guys that we are, in fact, still rating The Song Machine for our book club pick. We did push it back to the next regular episode because I definitely was nowhere near finished with it. And being a book on my Kindle, it would be a little hard to necessarily flip through it and skim things as we talk since you can't really flip through a Kindle. But Megan, I think you are a little further along than I am. I've actually finished it. It's really good. It is really good. Megan reads a lot faster than I do. So Uh, remember what I just said about liking the physicality of things? Right. Books is another example because I can just easily whip right through that. I'm such a nerd and proud. My thing is I don't want all the flipping pages noises while I'm recording. So (laughs) flipping through a book while you're recording is probably not the best advice. So anyone who has a podcast out there, it is very noisy if you do that. (laughs) Well, I mean, I was able to do that on the Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs 
episode and a little bit on the Your Song Changed My Life episode. <laughs> I don't think it was too terribly noisy. It was definitely a little noisy. Meh. <laughs> Not very, very noisy. But I will definitely be finished with that within the next two weeks. So we will have that discussion then and we'll probably toss in some follow up if both of us can listen to Blonde by Frank Ocean by then. It'll be a lot harder for Megan since she does not have Apple Music. So we will see how that goes. If anyone wants to share, (laughs) I'm always open to sharing. (laughs) Yeah. So we will definitely try to get to that next episode. I know it'll be quite late because obviously it'll be two weeks after it came out, essentially. But that's on the plate for next episode. I do not have an interview episode set up yet for next week, so we will see how that goes by then. But why don't we... Oh, you know, we could always just do a special regular episode in place of an interview. (laughs) There's always that. Yeah. Why don't we go ahead and move on to recommendations? Megan, what do you have for us this week? This week, I do have new music that came out on Friday. John Paul White released his latest album called Beulah. And if you're not familiar with John Paul White, he did do a cover song, uh, Can't Get It Out of My Head, which is on one of the OC soundtracks. But you might be more familiar with him if you listen to The Civil Wars. He was the male voice in that band, and I think he is an incredibly talented vocalist. I've listened to parts of Eula, and I really enjoy it. It's filling the void in my heart that the breakup of the Civil Wars has left. Nice. Well, look at us. We both have music recommendations this week. My two recommendations also just came out this past Friday. The first one I already mentioned earlier in the podcast, it's Vacancy by Bayside, their latest album. It's definitely very good. The band is extremely consistent. I don't know if there are too many other bands in our general scene that have been quite as consistent as Bayside, but Vacancy is definitely really fun to listen to, so I highly recommend checking that out. And a newer band that I was turned on to was AJJ, and they released The Bible 2 via Side One Dummy, and it was definitely an interesting album to listen to. There were a lot of different dynamics and everything throughout. You would have, you know, a stripped down song and then you would have a full speed ahead, full band song. And it was really cool to see how they put all of that together into one album. And let's not forget that AJJ used to be called Andrew Jackson Jihad. Definitely. That That's always a fun tidbit to say. Yeah. And I mean, I was aware of him before, but it's like I didn't really listen to anything until now, so I should d- definitely specify that new meaning new to me. So <laughs> there's definitely more than just this album to listen to. <laughs> but that wraps it up for today. And as always, thank you guys for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.